All right, hello baseball fans in Canada, the United States, Jamaica. We got tons of listeners in Jamaica, by the way. Uh, it is episode eight of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Uh, my name is Clayton Croker from Saskatoon. To my left, we have Justin Anderson from Saskatoon. And the man, the myth, the legend, the uh, maritime mistress maker. We got Patrick Marsh uh, via Skype. Now, usually these guys take care of titling the episodes, but I see that you guys were, were super lazy and didn't yeah. think of a title for this episode, so I'm just going to make one up on the spot. Uh, this is episode eight, the Pablo Sanchez episode, because just like Pablo Sanchez and Backyard Baseball, this episode is going to be the tits. Uh, we're talking about uh, the sweep of the Baltimore Orioles. Man, is Baltimore bad. Oh. My goodness. Uh, we're going to have a new segment called The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, which I think we did way, way yeah, back in the day. Uh, we got a roundtable discussion. We got a bunch of stuff to do today. And uh, as always, the rant. We'll talk about some advanced stats. Uh, we'll swear a few times here or there. It's going to be fun. Buckle up for a fun ride. Um, as always, you can uh, follow us on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash batflipsmapledips on Twitter. That's the best one. We're freaking hilarious on Twitter. At uh, BFMD Podcast on SoundCloud. Just look up batflips-mapledips, iTunes, Google Play Music. You can find us there. Tell your friends. We'd really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the sweep of the Baltimore Orioles, gentlemen, because uh, the boys look good from start to finish of this series. I want to start with the second game. Uh, the first sure. game was really, really close but because I want to talk about Marcus Stroman. That's what we talk about all the time on this mm-hmm, podcast. Mm-hmm. He is the most polarizing figure for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, seven innings, five hits, one earned run, two walks, seven Ks. Bullpen shut it down. It seems like whenever Marcus Stroman plays well, the Jays play well. Their bullpen is doing great. It just seems there is a different attitude when he is pitching well, especially at home. Uh, Justin, what do you think of the Stroso? Stroso. Stroso. There we <laughs> well, go. Well, the saying, like the as as teams go, uh, their best players go, and we always talked about hitting being contagious. Well, pitching is the same way. Mm-hmm. If your starter can come in and and keep the opposition off balance and shut them down, your bullpen's got a much better chance of doing the same thing. If you got a starter who gets rocked around in the first two innings, mm-hmm. those the other team is locked in. They're hitting like crazy. They're going to bring in a bullpen guy, and he's going to get lit up too. So Strowman did what any starter should be expected to do. He delivered a quality start. He went mm-hmm. seven innings, and he, like you said, he struck out seven guys and only walked a couple. So, I mean, uh, as far as a start goes, you can't ask for more than that from anyone. Absolutely not, so. no. Uh, Patrick Strosho, you are very, very critical of Marcus Strowman. What did you think of him uh, this week? Great start. Exactly mm-hmm. what he needed to go out there and do. Uh, he shut me up. I definitely <laughs> owe an apology of some sorts. We'll get to that. But <laughs> I I got to say, I'm starting to think that Marcus Stroman represents something more than what I thought he did. I thought he was just some guy who's looking out for himself. He's got his own brand he's trying to take care of. And when the team sucks, he blames it on everybody when he sucks. He blames it on everybody. Like, I was just worried that, uh, I guess, Stroman was a certain type of player. And I think that I was very wrong. And he might actually represent the beating heart of this team. When, Like you said, when Stroman is good on the mound, the Jays are good. And they feed off of that. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very powerful. And it was very evident in that 4-1 win. I think there are a lot of negatives to Marcus Stroman's antics on the mound. Like, you know, he's he's a very uh, body language kind of guy. You can tell when he's upset and it kind of gets everyone down. But on the yeah. flip side, when he's up and he's feeling it, he's, you know, screaming after strikeouts and stuff. He's doing the little shimmy with the, the shimmy shoulders. Uh, everyone feeds <laughs> off of that. Uh, let's go back in time now to game one of that series. Yeah. Uh, Gaviglio, seven and two-thirds. He was probably left in a little too long. But let's talk about the bats here in this yeah. game, gentlemen. Uh, Diaz, four for five with the home run. Martin. Two for five with a home run. What? Uh, by the way, his average, 184. Killing it. Uh, Gritch yeah. Daddy had another home run as well. Uh, the bats, I think, set the tone for this whole series with that uh, with that game because yeah. Clippard blew another save, but they had his back. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, we talk about it all the time. It's It seems like whenever we get into these slugfest games, um, we have some, some sort of unexpected hero, and I think Diaz was kind of the guy. Yeah. That game, we don't we don't see too many four hit efforts from Elebmus Diaz, so we'll take it and we'll run with <laughs> it, it at this mm-hmm. point. Who stood out for you in that game, Patrick? Uh, 
well, I mean, aside from Diaz, I, I'm kind of liking Axford. The Axeman mm-hmm. got two wins yeah. this week. I know wins aren't everything. <laughs> I'm Justin. But hey, honestly, that was a great impression, by I the know. way. That's perfect. Spot yeah. on. Yeah, well done. I'm throwing some shade out there. But no, but really, Axford, he had a, a notable week. He did almost blow the third game uh, in a spectacular fashion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he managed to hold on. I was really happy about that. But this week... Really, uh, as far as like if we were to give three stars away, uh, Stroman gets one. Uh, Diaz was great in uh, both games. Uh, the first two games, he went four for five. The first one, like you said, he went two for three in the second one. And this is Aledmus Diaz, mm-hmm. who's not really known for yeah. getting lots of hits. But uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Grichik went yard twice, too. So he's getting he did, another yeah. star. Yeah, Grichik, uh, his average is up to two fourteen. At the start of the year, it was Bad. it was not looking good. So the fact that yeah. his average is at two fourteen right now, and he has thirteen home runs, like yep. the guy's got a lot of pop in his he bat does. for a guy who went through an extremely bad cold spell. Yeah, uh, Salarte has kind of been hit or miss. I mean, he's been very very streaky. That's the kind yeah. of batter he is with his big swing. But let's talk about Jay Happ for a minute in that five four win. Uh, mm-hmm. He only went five innings, but nine strikeouts, uh, no walks. One earned run, got the no decision, but does that start save all of the other starts uh, that he had? Like, those three rough starts, does that prove that, okay, he is a trade commodity? Like, is he back to where he was before those three awful starts, or do you still think he needs to prove it with another start to uh, get the full refund back from? I don't know if we'll see Hap make another start. And the one thing I'll mm. say is, yeah, while nine strikeouts are impressive, we have to remember that it was against the Baltimore Orioles. That's who- very true. There, so there's an interesting <laughs> yeah. stat that came up this week about the Orioles. There are 286 uh, major and minor league teams in North America, and the Baltimore Orioles have the 286th uh, best winning percentage. They're dead last. They're horrible. <laughs> they are. Go- They're they such are, a bad baseball they are team. Bad. I don't understand. Like the Jays <laughs> yeah. are bad too, but at least we're kind of you know stringing yeah. together some wins mm-hmm. here or there mm-hmm. and staying kind of in it. I mean, not really in our division, but yeah. in wild card, you could make the argument we're still. In it, and I'm doing the finger quotes right now because we really aren't. If 15 you, games is you in it. You could make the it. argument, you could, well, <laughs> but like at least we're not Baltimore. Like at least we have yeah. more than 30 wins. Like that's true. It, it's, yeah, it's, but it's pretty. This incredible, Baltimore yeah. Orioles team is historically bad. Yeah. And also, what's their farm <laughs> like, system like? Like at least our farm system is stacked. Baltimore does have a couple of of good players. They have Ryan Mountcastle, who's their top prospect. Yeah. he's in AAA, and they also acquired Yusniel uh, Diaz from LA for Manny Machado. Okay, yeah, who he's was a good the player. Dodgers' yeah, top prospect. The thing with Yusniel Diaz is he was probably uh, third in line on the call-up list for outfield prospects in L.A., whereas mm-hmm. now he's 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 kind of got a quicker path to the majors. And Baltimore is a better park to hit in than, mm-hmm. than uh, Dodger Stadium. So, I mean, fantasy owners like myself who have Yusniel Diaz in a dynasty league are pretty happy that he has an easier path to the majors, even though it's with Baltimore mm. <laughs> and that train wreck of a team. Uh, but, yeah, Baltimore, I just I can't say enough bad things about them. Like, when, once Machado got traded, he had a 315 average with them. Their next yeah. best guy was Adam Jones at 275. So it's just, like, 40 points of a difference. Like, there's nobody that was even in Machado's neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, let's it's, talk about Guriel Jr. here I'd for a minute. Uh, else, let's go yeah. to uh, Patrick first, the Maritime Mistress Maker. Uh, his average is at 281. Uh, you've been a big fan of Guriel Jr. on this podcast before. Um, how satisfied are you with that 281? Is he meeting your expectations? Is he exceeding them? Is he just below them? Uh, in terms of his plate presence, he's definitely meeting my expectations. Um, the well, I think it was the week before the All-Star break. He had a couple of really ugly-ass games where mm-hmm. he, he had errors and he just looked like he was lost out there like he had never played baseball before mm-hmm. uh, but at the plate i i think i said it last uh last week i i think he's going to be an all-star for us next year i just have this feeling that guriel is going to go out and really surprise some people at a camp his first like full mlb camp where he has job security because I, I do think we're getting rid of devin travis and I think we'll see Guriel at second oh, next year. Okay. And uh, I think it's going to be – that's my spicy take for the week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but but Guriel has been – he's something else. It, I remember how I was kind of skeptical of when uh, Yuli had said that his brother was better than he was at the plate. And I, we're starting to kind of see that a little yeah. bit from 
uh, Lourdes. So props to him. I mean, to be fair, he did beat up on the trash birds, uh, and that team is garbage. And I'm just going to call them the trash birds from now on. Sure. We're not going to refer to them as the Orioles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Guriel is definitely here to stay. It would be ridiculous if he got sent back down. And at the plate, he is just, he's doing exactly what he needs to do. It's great. So here's a would you rather for the uh, next two weeks. Would you rather have Guriel in the lineup, who has been consistent uh, pretty much the whole season long? He's got a pretty high batting average. Or would you rather have Randall Grichik in the lineup for you, who's pretty red hot since he got off the DL. He's batting 262. Again, he's got a lot of pop in his bat, and he's striking out a lot less than he has been in mm-hmm. years past. His uh, career um, strikeouts 29.2%. Uh, it's at 21.4. Yeah. So would you rather have Gurriel or Grichik in the lineup right now? Well, they play different positions. Doesn't Gurriel play outfield? No, he's a middle infielder. Well, then never mind. I thought, why, why think, I think you Gurriel? Ta- are you thinking about no, 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 no. Let's... let's... Yeah, let's try it anyway. Yeah, let's, let's just, just say, who would you rather have in the lineup right now batting-wise? Gritchuk. Okay. Because he plays better defense, too. Okay. <laughs> He's a more complete player. Uh, yeah. I'm going with Guriel because he can hit for average. I don't... He has a little bit of pop to him, but I, mm-hmm. I like what he's doing at the play right now. Gritchuk still has a very long road to go before he actually hits what is supposed to be his expectation, like, as far as his average goes, I know like he dug himself a massive hole, but I'd rather see Guriel just because I think Guriel's going to be on the team in like three, four, or five years, while Grichuk is probably just kind of a stopgap for a few years. I hope we keep Grich for more than a couple years, maybe like one or two more. But I don't see him as like a, a, a lifetime G no. kind of guy. But I am starting to. Uh... Learn to love Randall Grichik. I don't know why. He's got a smooth swing. He looks like a ball player. I know I sound like the scout from Moneyball. I know, yeah. I sound like Pat Tabler right now. Um, let's talk about the Minnesota game if we have to. Again, the bullpen yeah, game. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Like it, we'll just we'll just kind of chalk it up to as what the bullpen. What is this, the Tampa Bay Rays? Yeah, the bullpen played pretty well uh, in general. Jaime Garcia, three innings pitched yeah. with three Ks. I did not well see that coming. Um, again, Gurriel with another home run. Smoke had three hits. Again, we lost to Minnesota. We're pretty evenly matched when it comes yeah. to them. Uh, let's look ahead to the next two games against Minnesota. Do you see us winning those two games and taking the series, or um, do you see the Twins maybe sweeping us? Uh, let's go with Patrick first. What do you think? Uh, we're going to take the next two against the Twins, no question. The Twins are garbage, and right now the Jays are playing pretty good baseball. Um, it was a bullpen day, so like honestly, that was an automatic L we were going to take. <laughs> so I'm going to say we take two against uh, we're going to travel to Chicago, so we're in Chicago for yeah. the three against the Sox. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to sweep the Sox. They're trash. They're even worse in Baltimore, really. Uh, so I, I say we're going to win our next five in a row, and then we'll see what happens when we get to, to Oakland. We sweep one awful baseball team, and all of a sudden Patrick is all on board the Blue Jays bandwagon. <laughs> Yeah, I think we should pump the brakes here a bit. I know the White Sox aren't great. I know Minnesota's not great either, but we're not that great either, guys. Yeah. I mean, we, we beat the Orioles. Whatever, that's, you know? That's but what, uh, Remember Patrick's tweet from last week where he yeah. said they're going to go a 20-game win streak? Yeah. After the sweep yeah. of the and Orioles, he, text, a bunch, he texts me 17 to go. Oh, <laughs> it was like, crazy. Oh, my God. The thing is, I see them probably winning f- like three or four yeah. out of the next five, and then we we never play good against Oakland. It's like Oakland and Tampa Bay for some reason. Yeah. We just never I mean, play Oakland's well against Oakland's good this them. year, though, too. They're not bad, exactly. They are in, con- in contention for a wild card spot, that's mm-hmm. for sure. So that was the week that was. That was a quick look at the week ahead. Let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly over this past Past week, um, the good Ryan Tapera, Captain Vanilla. Um, again, this guy, like he's just so middle of the road. Again, he would be 75 overall on uh, the show if he was a video game character. He's just such a such a middle of the road guy. So when he does play well, it makes him look. Awesome. Three games since he's uh, been activated on the DL. Only one walk, uh, four Ks in two and a third innings. Ryan Tapera, what do we what do we have to say about Teeps over here? Well, I mean, I I'm a little bit more high on Ryan Tapera than you are. I'm not. He strikes out a lot of guys, which is something that is valuable in mm-hmm. the bullpen. Um, yeah. That's why his name had come up in trade rumors. I haven't heard it lately, uh, but that he could be a guy that gets tossed in mm-hmm. some random deals, uh, kind of a value added guy. Um, 
but I mean, we're, we're desperately in need of relievers who are consistent. And for the most part, he has been this year. His ERA is below three on the season. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for a reliever having a low ERA, that's, that's a pretty good sign. He's been consistent. Um, a lot of times we'll see a guy with like a four and a half ERA who's actually doing pretty well. He's had a couple of bad games, yeah. yada, yada, yada. But Tapera has been pretty consistent all season. He's closed some games for us. He's fared a little bit better than Tyler Clippert has in save opportunities. We'll get to him uh, So, yeah, uh, Patrick, what about you? Ryan Tapera. And uh, also touch on Gurriel a little bit too because yeah. you touched on him when we were talking about the week that was. But uh, get into specifically how good he's been playing in July here. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, just to close the book on Ryan Tapera, hopefully uh, we're getting close to the last time we ever have to talk about him. Uh, but he, like Justin said, he's done exactly what he needed to do since he came off the DL. Uh, both he and uh, Sengwon O oh, uh, have ERAs below three now. Uh, they're doing exactly what we need them to do. Guys, our bullpen's not that bad. No, it's not. No, it's if you, gotten way better. If you get rid of Tyler Clippard and add in a uh, pre-2018 Roberto Osuna, this team would be above 500. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we could talk about that a little bit later. Um, that's not what the case is right now, but Tapera has been good. Guriel is riding a six-game multi-hit streak. His defense isn't really very good. Like I said, he makes errors and... He, sometimes he looks a little lost out there, but uh, 12 games in July, he's batting 391. Yeah. His OBP is 417. He's got two dingers. He's got two extra base hits. Uh, he's only struck out five times. This kid is on fire. He needs to stay in the lineup. I don't care what position he plays. I really, I don't care if he catches <laughs> this guy. We We need him to be at the plate right now because... Whatever it is he's locked into right now, we need to capture it and give it to all the other players because yeah. he's just been blazing. I think we should care if he does play catcher. I, I know that Russell Martin is bad, but he's not Guriel hey, starting Russell Martin a catcher can play shortstop. Oh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> see, I'd rather see Guriel. The would you rather for me is Guriel over Diaz okay. at shortstop. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. Guriel's defense is shaky, but in terms of arm strength, and ability ability to play there, he mm-hmm. can do it. Uh, and when it, that would keep Travis, who's riding a hot streak right now, in, in at second base, and Solarte would move to third. You could put you could put Solarte and Diaz over at third, mm-hmm. or whatever, and then Smokey at first base. That's a pretty good infield in terms of offense. That was the good. Let's get to the bad, and we'll go to Patrick uh, quickly for the first part here. Uh, we were just talking about how good the bullpen is. Not Joe Biagini, though. <laughs> Something happened to Joe Biagini. Uh, two years ago, he was that lovable giant. He was weird. He had great interview clips. And now Joe Biagini, yeah, he just he can't get the ball down. He's leaving the ball up in the strike zone, it seems like, almost every single time he's out there. Um, Patrick, really quick, Joe Biagini, does he deserve to be on the bad part of the segment? Yes, send him down back to AAA and bring up Sean Reed Foley and have him do the bullpen mm, stuff. The bullpen, I'm done. Man. I'm I'm done with Joe Biagini. I I'm I'm done. <laughs> He's right. let us down too many times. All right, Justin, your turn. Uh, yeah. Joe Biagini, is he uh, on the naughty list per se? He's on the naughty list right now. They say he's working on a new changeup, which is fine with me because we're not anywhere near contention. Yeah. So why not work on it now? <laughs> it's basically like extra string training at this point. All the games we play are meaningless. Mm-hmm. Unless we're playing a team who's in playoff contention, we could play a spoiler, but we're not right now. Um, yeah, no, I'm in the same boat as Patrick. Where I'm, I'm kind of ready to see the Joe Biagini era in Toronto come to a close. I don't think working on a changeup right now for Joe Biagini is a good idea because, again, he can't keep the ball down. Yeah. So if he's working on a new changeup, it just means he's going to throw slower <laughs> and it's going to be right over the plate. So that's yeah. not good news yeah, for Jays fans. That's a, that's a bad combination right there. Uh, let's get to the ugly. Yeah. And oh, this guy makes Your a living guy. on the ugly list. Tyler Clippard. Again, I when I saw this guy pitch for the Yankees, he was with the Yankees last year, not two years ago, right? Yeah, a couple years ago. A couple yeah, years ago. There, I remember yeah, seeing this guy for the Yankees a few years ago, and I was just like, I hate the way this guy looks. I don't know. I just couldn't get over the, his throwing style and his lankiness, and I was like, I hope he never becomes a J. Yeah, he did. And Clippard, again, blew another save against Baltimore, almost blew another one the very next day. And he's gotten so many second chances in this bullpen. Like, it seems like Gibby will always put him up there in good situations. Like, after he blows a save, a couple days later, he'll put him out there when the Jays are up 8-1 or 9-2 to get his confidence (laughs) up, you know? So Gibby, 
is trying to get this guy's confidence yeah. up, and he's giving him a lot of chances. But he hasn't delivered in those crucial situations. It looks like he turns a corner when he's in a game where it's 9-1, to one and it's like, okay, he got a couple strikeouts there. Maybe mm-hmm. Clippard's, maybe it's a new Tyler Clippard. But then again, then he goes into actual situations, and he doesn't deliver. And you, you can't do that if you want to be a closer or a setup guy or any kind of relief pitcher in Major League Baseball. You have to deliver for that one inning you're called upon. Yeah. If you're a starter, you can maybe have one bad inning and maybe kind of regroup the next four and make up for it. You can't do that if you're a relief guy. And mm. he's just he just doesn't have it. He's kind of like Drew Storen. Remember we brought in Drew Storen yep, with such high expectations? Oh, I think Tyler Clifford has <laughs> yes. lower expectations than Drew Storen. We thought Drew Storen was going to be yeah. the next Billy Koch, and he was not. He was the next Sergio Santos by the looks of it. Like He, was, uh, he wasn't good for us. Sorry for bringing up bad memories uh, with Drew Storen. <laughs> but Tyler Clifford, I mean, him and Joe Biagini, um, they are the uh, dark spots on what has been a great bullpen for the Jays the past couple weeks. If it wasn't for them... <sighs> Be a pretty solid bullpen, I think. I agree. Yeah. No, I think I think you covered how everyone feels about Tyler Clifford. Mm-hmm. He goes on those big streaks where he'll be good for two weeks, and then he'll just crap the bed yeah. a few times in a row, and that's kind of what he's in right now. All right. <laughs> uh, let's get to the round table here where we're just going to we're kind of go just that's around hammered. the horn, if yeah. you will. And uh, nice baseball reference there. Thanks <laughs> for the thanks for the compliments, gentlemen. Um, first up here, topic number one: the Blue Jays outfield after July thirty first and opening day twenty nineteen. Who do you think is going to be left out of the outfielders we have right now? Well, I think we all know that Granderson is probably the most likely to be traded. Um, Kevin Pillar has that uh, clavicular injury. I think that's how it's mm-hmm. pronounced. That he nearly died trying Clavicle. to make that catch. Cla- uh, who knows? We're yeah, not doctors. We're not doctors by any means. We, we're working radio. Yeah. <laughs> Opposite of doctors. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Granderson's going to be gone, which he's basically been platooning and playing a bit of DH yeah. anyway. Uh, so that doesn't hurt us too much defensively. Um, once Pilar comes back, I want to see Kevin Pillar in the corner. I want to see Gritchick in center field. He's been interesting there since he, since Pillar's been out. I'm going to disagree with you. He I'd played, way rather have Pillar in center yeah. field just because he knows the position better. He does. I well, mean, Gritchick I know, played there in St. Louis. Though. I know, but I know, like, and they're major league baseball players. They can yeah. adjust in the outfield. But when it comes to Pillar's track record, I'd way rather have him in center field than Gritchick. Um, Patrick Pillar or Gritchick in center field, uh, opening day 2019. Who would you rather see there? Uh. None. I want Dwight Smith Jr. in center field. Mm, you are How about just, that? you are making left turns He's all podcast long today. All on the Dwight Smith Jr. Yeah. train. Okay, go on. Yeah, big plot twists. Actually, I mean, obviously, Curtis Granderson is going to be traded. Um, I've enjoyed the memories we've made with him, but, you know, he signed here and when we reached the point where we weren't going to be contending, it was pretty obvious that he wasn't going to be sticking around. Uh, so that's fine. Pilar coming back in late August. Uh, I mean, by the time he gets back, Pilar is streaky. So, I mean, he could come back and be awful. I don't, I don't know. Let, let's put him aside just for a minute. Uh, T. Oscar Hernandez has to be starting every day possible from now until the end of the season. Uh, he's been one of our best hitters. Uh, he's got okay arm strength, but... Other than that, eh. But, I mean, he can hang out in right field. Uh, Grichuk uh, has been great uh, at the plate as of late. Did not mean to rhyme there. Uh, and as far as defense goes, he's been pretty great. I want to see him every day. Probably, I'd say, left field. One of the corners, anyway. Uh, and then, yeah, I want Dwight Smith Jr. up. I want him to play as many games we can get him into. I want to see Anthony Alford get some starts. Uh, he'll probably be a September call-up. Yeah. John Jonathan Davis, I don't see him getting a call-up when I, I see Smith and Alford being ahead of him on the depth chart. So, really, this is tough because ideally I would like Grichuk, Hernandez, and Dwight Smith Jr. to be our three outfielders mm-hmm. and our fourth one to be Pilar. But I know that's probably not going to happen, and we're probably going to see Pilar in center like the second he's ready to come back. And probably. I think that's a mistake because, A, he's 29. B, he plays such a rough style. 
He's probably going to get hurt again if he gets rushed back. And we've got so many guys in the pipeline who are faster than Pilar, who are more dynamic in the outfield. I know Pilar makes the sexy catches, but I'd rather see uh, Dwight Smith Jr., Anthony Alford get the reps in center uh, and then kind of build our outfield around having Hernandez and Grichuk uh, swatting bombs at the plate and also, you know, using their arms to kind of gun down some guys from the outfield. I'd rather see the awesome Pilar catchers or catches in the outfield than some young guys getting reps out there. I live for Kevin Pilar highlights. I'm a big Kevin Pilar guy, though. I think he's way faster (laughs) than you guys think. He's not. He's not that fast. (laughs) You know what? Okay, he's fast (laughs) enough, guys. He's fast enough. By the um, sounds of your guys' responses, it seems like Pilar... He will be there next year. It seems like Teoscar Hernandez and Randall Grichik, uh, it looks like those three guys are going to be our go-to outfielders pending some off-season moves. Yeah. I would like to see an Alford over Dwight Smith Jr. and then have Dwight Smith Jr. kind of come up and down next year a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, get some more MLB experience. But then I do think that we'll trade Anthony Alford or he'll leave, and then we got Dwight Smith Jr. I still think he needs a little bit more time. Yeah. But could we agree that you know Pilar, Teoscar Hernandez, and Grichik, I think those three guys, if they're not traded or anything like that, can we agree that they'll probably be on the opening day roster next year? Yeah, I mean, I religiously yep. check Anthony Alford's stats in AAA, mm-hmm. and his his batting needs so much work. Like He's, yeah, he's batting below 200 this season in, in AAA. He's there because he needs to be because, I mean, he's, he's, he's had some success at AA before, and so he had nothing left to prove down there, and he's been in Buffalo. I mean, his, his defense has been phenomenal. I've seen so many highlight reels of Anthony mm-hmm. Alford's defense this season there. But I do want to talk about Jonathan Davis. We're going to talk about him in the farm report later on. But he started the season in, in uh, New Hampshire with mm-hmm. the rest of the super prospects. And he's kind of really come out of nowhere offensively this season. Um, I'm not going to get into his stats too much, but he's, he's played eight games in Buffalo since his, he, he was promoted, and he's, and he's played very, very well. Good. Um, so that's another guy who I think is going to be a dark horse candidate for that fourth outfielder spot. Mm. Depending where Alfred finishes this season in terms of his offensive stats – we might see Jonathan Davis kind of overtake him in the organizational depth chart just purely because of the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, Alfred probably plays the best outfield defense in our in our farm system, but he's not ready offensively to be an everyday contributor. Agreed. I mean, center field's a place where you need a good defender, but you also need a guy who can hit. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the corner outfield positions being the home run spots. Check mark, check mark with Tio and Gritch. Mm-hmm. They hit home runs. Yeah. Perfect. They play good enough defense. I think once Morales is gone, we might see Hernandez shift to a DH role. Yeah. If his if his his defense like he's hasn't played that much in the big leagues, he's got some time to figure it out. Um, he's kind of like a Jose Bautista where he's got that good arm. Yeah. But he just hasn't quite figured out the routes and yeah, just path to take to the ball. Uh, but that that'll come for him. He's young enough. So yeah, I'm kind of with Patrick. Um, yeah, that Tio and um, and Gritch are locked in those corner spots. Uh, Hernandez in left, Gritch in right. Would you like Alfred in center? Alfred's the center fielder. Yeah, yeah, I think he's got to be there. Um, that's what he's played. Yeah, since he started playing baseball. That's the thing with outfielders, though. Like in the minors, you can move them all over you the can, place. Like yeah. in Major League Baseball, it seems like outfielders. You it's know, it's a comfort thing. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a big comfort thing, but it's a business too. I mean, yeah. if a, if the manager yeah. wants you to play, oh, for sure, you got to play that position. Yeah. I think Alfred would be a good center fielder, though. But I just think it'd be stupid yeah. to start him over Kevin. It's, Pillar it's interesting right now. that we 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 have a decent amount. We talk about our our third base prospect and our shortstop prospects all the time, but we do have a decent amount of depth in our outfield positions Absolutely. too. And there's guys like Davis yep. who have kind of come out of nowhere this year to to contend for future spots. Yeah. And Davis is, I think, he's 25 now, so he's on the older end of that prospect um, train, I guess, yeah. where it's kind of now or never sort of thing. He's kind of proving it this year that maybe it is now. Uh, let's get to topic number two here. We'll let Patrick start this one. Uh, great players on bad teams. Who do you think is the most sad about their current situation out of these four guys? Mike Trout. With the Angels, uh, Jacob Degrom right now with the Mets, uh, Snell with the Rays, or uh, Real Muto for Miami. Is it Real Muto or Real Muto? That's a great question. I always say Real Muto. I always thought it was Muto, but now I'm thinking, is it Muto or something like that? But yeah, let's go Muto because that sounds better. Uh, who do you think out of those sounds four like guys? Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for a Pokemon reference <laughs> yeah, there or something like that. Um, so, who out of those four guys, Patrick, would you say? Uh, dislikes their current situation the most? Uh, it's 
got to be Jacob deGrom by like seven or eight lengths. And I don't know if I'm talking about lengths of a horse or lengths of an MLB baseball player. I don't know. But if there was some kind of race between the four of them, uh, metaphorically, it's got to be Jacob deGrom. It's not even close. The guy has been so good this year for the Mets. The Mets. The Mets. Yeah, they're shit. I mean, his FIP is 2.28. His ex-FIP is 2.77. Thank you, Professor Anderson. His ERA is 1.71. The dude is slightly less than half for ground ball percentage. He's not really given up uh, a a lot of uh, home runs. He's, and that's an understatement. Uh, he's leaving guys on base, left, right, and center. It's just, it's insane what he's doing. He, I honestly like if he wasn't on the Mets, I feel like you could make a great case for Jacob Degrom for Cy Young award. I will say this one but, thing though: at least Jacob Degrom might get traded. At least he, he knows that he might. Well, he might though. At least no, in the back of his head, season. he might get traded out of that situation. You never know because they got a lot of arms yeah. there. They might not be able to afford him. There are been they yeah. ha- there have been some Jacob Degrom rumors. With a guy like Mike Trout, it just seems like he's going to be an angel forever. He's like, been wasted. He, yeah, he's been wasting Ugh. away in an Angels uniform. And they go out and get Otani and be like, "Hey, we're helping you out, Mike Trout." And then he's got to get shut down with elbow injuries. How do you think Mike Trout is feeling right now? Like, I mean, I know that he is the best player in baseball, and Mike Trout knows it. He would never admit that because he's a beauty and he's a nice guy. But what do you think Mike Trout's situation is right now? Do you think he's happy with the Angels? It's got to be frustrating to be that good and just watch all these players get brought in around you. Like they had Josh Hamilton brought Mm -hmm. in, they had Pujols brought in, who's still there because he has a huge contract. Um, And Otani, like he's been batting and he started throwing playing catch again kind of thing they're hoping he'll pitch again this season actually Mm. which is pretty um, phenomenal considering the injury was potentially uh tommy johns um but yeah mike trout i mean he's been struggling a bit lately but there was a game it was yesterday he went oh for oh with like four or five walks and two stolen bases he was one of only like three players in like the last hundred years to have a game like that wow um so i mean yeah He's not. He hasn't hit many extra base hits recently. He had a bit of a thumb injury that people think that it's it's uncomfortable for him to hold a bat a bit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he, it, it's Mike Trout, and he's finding ways to get on base. I mean, he walked like I think it was it was four or five walks. Yeah. Um, and two stolen bases the other night, which is a crazy game. That's nuts. Um, but I, I think on this list of those four guys, for me, it's got to be JT Real Muto, who's probably like get me the hell out of here kind of thing mm-hmm. he's That's maybe he's <laughs> yeah. maybe the best catcher in the league right mm-hmm. now in terms of offensive and defensive production combined um and watching players like stanton and yelich um get traded out of there and having him just he's kind of like the last guy on the bench right now just kind of watching everyone kind of fade out of the picture around him mm-hmm. like fano snapped and everyone but jt muto disappeared in, in miami yeah <laughs> Uh, the poor guy, like, I feel so bad for him. And th- there's been rumors flying around, but it's going to cost an arm and a leg to get that guy. Yeah. He's worth so much. He's young. He's got team control. Um, his WRC plus is pretty high this season in terms of catching. Uh, yeah, I, I think him and Snell, those poor guys, it's a good thing they're stuck in Florida where at least the weather's nice. Yeah, because they got other that. than that, they got nothing really <laughs> yeah. going for them. Uh, Patrick, what do, you, what do you think about Mike Trout? Like, is he happy um, in LA playing for the Angels? Uh, yeah, I think he is. But I, here's the th- here's the problem. Mike Trout is almost like a man out of time. Mm-hmm. Like he, it, it's almost like we're getting a chance to live out the scenario of what if Mickey Mantle played for a god awful team for his entire career and never won a thing. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. He's handsome, he's fast, he's got a great eye, he's got great hands, he can mash home runs, he can do everything. The man he just does everything great. He is great with kids, he's great on social media, he hasn't done anything wrong as far as I can remember, yeah. and yet he he's just... MLB has a cash cow with him, but he's stuck playing on a team in California 
that, no offense to the Angels, nobody gives a shit about compared to the Dodgers. Yeah, because agreed. the Dodgers are the team that brought baseball to California along with the Giants. And L.A. is forever going to be enamored with the Dodgers. And they're really not going to care so much about the Angels because there's Aren't, aren't they still stuck in Anaheim? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's they're where their the stadium Angeles is. Los Angeles of Anaheim. I think they're still yeah. considered that or something. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to commute two hours out of L.A. to, to go to a, an Anaheim Angels game, even though Mike Trout is the best thing to happen to baseball in at least 15 years, maybe further back than the home run race that we saw between McGuire and Sosa. And we all know how that ended. We all know what kind of impact that had in the long term yeah. on baseball with the steroids and the and all the other foolishness. But Mike Trout, it's like watching Mickey Mantle be transported forward in time and just play for a shitty team that nobody cares about. I'm it's just gonna say crazy. this crazy. I'm gonna say this to uh, end this off. I think it's Blake Snell because he has to play at the Trop and anyone yeah. who has to play in that god awful stadium <laughs> I feel really, really sorry for you. Uh, let's get to the advanced stats segment here with uh, Professor Anderson. And I just scrolled down here and took a look, and this one's going to be a doozy. Yeah. Here. So uh, get comfortable. Uh, grab a snack <laughs> or, or just something walk like away that. Or not come no, back in we minutes. like the stats here. And it's actually a really, really interesting one, too. Yeah. I didn't really know much about this stat. I didn't even really know existed, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so, uh, Professor Anderson, uh, you have the floor, good sir. All right. So today's stat is the Saber Defensive index so saber or s-a-b-r is the society for they american make great printers yeah sabre this <laughs> is oh. society for american baseball research i should see if they're hiring because that sounds like my dream job to just look up yeah. baseball stats all day like yeah i could do that for a living um so at the start of uh 2013 uh the saber di defensive index has been was started to use uh to help select the gold glove and the platinum glove winners uh, by MLB, um, their DI accounts for about 25% of the selection process for the gold glove. Um, and that was added to the votes that because managers and coaches vote for gold glove and platinum glove as well. So they kind of added some statistical mm-hmm. uh, evidence to support the claims of these guys. Um, so Sabre uses a couple of different types of existing metrics that are already out there. And some of them I've mentioned before. Um, it uses batted ball uh, data it uses the to, so in, uh, under that there are defensive runs saved, um, ultimate zone rating who I, what I mentioned before UZR, mm-hmm. um, and also effect runs effectively defended which is pr- they're all very similar they all have to do with uh, batted balls in play uh, like for example outfield arms uh, double plays uh, catcher defense mm-hmm. and pitcher defense on bunts a bunch of different crazy stuff and also play by play accounts. Um, so total zone rating is one thing that's in there that wherever a val- wherever a ball is hit, like say it's hit on the ground to the left side of the infield, um, it's got a 60 value if the shortstop plays it and a 40 value if the third baseman plays it. Because gotcha. obviously a shortstop will make tougher plays because they're further out, so yeah. it's a tougher play to make. So it's a better value for um, that play being made. So it, it, there's so many different things that go into this stat, which is why... Uh, it only gets released two times a year at in the mm. middle of the season. So the the rankings came out July fifteenth, and then at the end of the, at the end of the regular season, they release it again because they need to a- accumulate a, a ton of data. Mm. So there are some players who are very good defenders who aren't on this list because they haven't played enough innings due to injury, that kind of thing. Like we won't see Marcus Stroman in this in the pitcher rankings because yeah. he hasn't played enough yet to qualify for that. Um, Interestingly enough, there are only uh, three players in the league who have an SDI over 10. So anything above zero is considered good in this. Gotcha. Um, it's not like WRC plus where 100 is the base. Zero is the base here. Yeah. So anything above zero means that you are a positive defender. So Matt Chapman, the Oakland Athletics first baseman, or third baseman, Killing sorry. It. He has a 17.2 SDI this year, which is by... Uh, and far away the best in the majors. The next closest is Colton Wong with from the, the Cards second baseman who has a 10.7. So, I mean, uh, Matt Chapman, like, I, we haven't seen him. We'll see him soon. I mm-hmm. mean, I think we saw the athletics at the start of the season. I don't even know who this guy was. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see them next week, and I'm looking forward to watching him play defense. Um, 
the athletics first baseman who I can't recall his name was also pretty high up in the first baseman mm-hmm. rankings as well. Um, Alex Gordon, who we don't hear much of anymore because he's stuck in Kansas City. His defense has always it's been always so been good, great. Though. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, he's at a ten point six, and those are the three guys that are above ten. Mm-hmm. The shortstop race was crazy close between um, Iglesias and Andrelton Simmons, Andrelton Simmons mm-hmm. and there was one other guy who was in there who I can't recall right now. There's too many. I was overwhelmed by these numbers when I was looking at this. Uh, Lorenzo Cain, who is in his late thirties, is still the best defensive center fielder in the bigs. Yeah. Um, Kevin Plyer was fourth best in the American League. I think it translated to about ninth or tenth overall in the league among. And there was about I think there were fourteen or fifteen qualified center fielders in terms of innings played at that position. Aaron Judge, little known for his defense, is actually the the best right fielder in baseball based on this metric, mm-hmm. which kind of surprised me. But I, I've seen some some highlights of him making some good catches, and he's got a good arm, so yeah. that helps him a lot. Brandon Belt's the best first baseman. Buster Posey, his teammate, is the best catcher. And then Clayton Richard, who great name I've never heard of, but his name's Clayton, so we like him, I guess. From the Padres, has a four point six, and he's the best pitcher by a couple of by a couple of runs. Yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting to see a lot of these guys. Uh, we've seen Kane in the American League for a while. Um, it's pretty evenly split between National and American League, which is pretty cool. Um, JT Realmuto was high up on the catcher list. I think he was third. Mm-hmm. for this index um the best blue jay in terms of positional rankings was justin smoke who is i think he's third in american league nice first baseman so i have a question yeah. with this um for sure. does degree of difficulty yes does that take in a factor so yeah. like would kevin pilar have a higher sdi because he's making diving catches and catches at the wall <laughs> yeah like it, it takes into account like the batted ball so okay. where the ball is hit like and and statcast has uh probabilities of gotcha. a catch like when a ball is hit if it's hit in this spot in the gap yeah it's got a five percent chance of being caught gotcha so if a fielder makes that catch mm-hmm. they'll have a very high defensive score on that play so that's why it takes so many innings and that's why they do these metrics twice a year yeah because they need to get that data because mm-hmm. a guy might make he might have one play in a year that's a less than five percent likelihood of of being caught mm-hmm. and he might make that catch and that Skyrockets. Skyrockets his score kind gotcha. of thing. And if he misses it, it doesn't hurt him at all, really. Gotcha. And um, what about um, base runner speed? Like, what if it's a Rajay Davis out there yeah. and an outfielder chucks out Rajay Davis, who's known to have a lot of mm-hmm, stolen bases mm-hmm. and runs? Uh, does that kind of get the SDI yep. up as well? That that helps. That goes into the total zone rating and the defensive regression analysis under the play-by-play mm-hmm. accounts. So, so it looks like an in-depth analysis this, look of defensive plays. Yeah, these numbers are, in my opinion, and the opinion of a lot of people, the gold standard for defensive output. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're used to determine the gold glove and the platinum glove is because they're an all-encompassing defensive stat. Yeah, They don't just look at... Like, defensive runs saved is good, but it, it, it puts a lot of weight on arm and double plays, which is good, but it doesn't showcase everything. It doesn't talk about like you said with the bat who the batter is mm-hmm. it, it leaves a lot of things out whereas this um saber di tries to include everything and i, and I think it does a pretty good job mm-hmm. i'm still learning about this stat um it's tough to learn everything it, with the stat because there are so there's many a lot to, to there's a lot to understand here if you meet anybody who says they're an expert in the saber defensive index they probably work for the Society yeah. of American Baseball Research, because I think that's probably a few of the only people who understand this stat and could explain it um, in its full detail, and that would probably take you a three-day seminar to learn everything about the Arsenault Saber. That was probably my favorite <laughs> Professor Anderson segment because, Thank again, you. it just shows how crazy baseball stats can be yeah. and how much you can take away from we, yeah, it. Like, we don't you think can about have this that calculation of, like, hey, if it's hitting this gap, he has a 30% mm-hmm. chance of getting it. This will affect that. It's like, it's crazy how many stats you can get with that. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, Professor Anderson, as always, a treat. Um, let's get into the farm report, shall we? And we're going to yeah. start with Patrick here because if we let Justin talk about Sean Reed fully, uh, we're going to be here all day long. So I'm going to let Patrick um, talk about Sean Reed Foley because he has been great in AAA. SRF. Yeah, and I I can't imagine you wanting to clean up the mess that Justin's going to make when he starts talking about SRF again. I love Uh, this guy. But I I digress. Uh, Sean Reed Foley has been outstanding. 
Uh, he just got the International League Pitcher of the Week, so he was rocking a, a 3.53 ERA and a 3.23 xFIP in the last 12 starts with the Bisons. Uh, last time we checked in on him, his ERA was over four, so obviously we're seeing uh, what we're calling positive regression. Yeah, one quick uh, note been... on that, too. His xFIP of 3.23 hasn't changed since our last episode. Wow. Yeah. It just goes to show that uh, FIP is a very valuable mm-hmm. tool when it comes to analyzing pitchers. And hopefully uh, the three or four people who are listening to our podcast <laughs> on a weekly basis uh, are actually using that when they are uh, setting their fantasy lineups or uh, maybe just enjoying listening to us talk about analytics. But uh, Reed Foley has been great as far as uh, striking guys out. He's... Managing the contact of uh, of batters a lot better. I just there's what really impresses me about this guy is that he I haven't really heard very much uh, from him as far as like sometimes you get these prospects who are like really hot to get up to the show and make their big impact and. Ryan Barucki, we've seen him come up and may have like an immediate positive impact on the team. And Sean Reed Foley's just kind of doing his thing in AAA. I don't know if it's because he's biding his time or maybe he's just the kind of guy who's just happy playing the game. I don't know, but I really like everything there is about this guy, especially the fact that he, you know, he's very quietly getting things done in AAA. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I, again, I like Sean Reed Foley. I think, um, I think he still needs a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Baraki is more of the guy than Sean Reed Foley. We were talking about it a month ago, you know, yeah. Baraki, Sean Reed Foley. Who do you go with? I said Baraki, and I don't want to say a toe to so, but a toe to so. Yeah, you told uh, so. Again, that's just because Baraki has been lights out. It's not because Sean Reed Foley has been pitching bad or anything. It's no, quite the opposite. They're just both pitching so good. Mm-hmm. But it seems like Baraki has been great. So I think Sean Reed Foley. Um, He's just about a year away, I, th- I, th- I think. I know a lot of Blue Jay fans, especially Justin, think Sean Reed Foley should be with the uh, the big squad right now, maybe in the bullpen, something like that. Take out Biagini, put in Sean Reed Foley. But um, I just think that he's perfect the way he is right now. Keep him in AAA. Keep him, you know, consistently getting a start every five days, getting him used to that schedule. So when he comes up to the majors, uh, he'll be ready. When it comes to Jonathan Davis, we talked about him a little yeah. bit. Again, 353 and 34 at-bats since his promotion. Uh, he's He's got four stolen bases, two he can run. He's good in the outfield. Again, we did touch on Jonathan Davis a little bit earlier, so I want to talk about Danny Jansen because we need help when it comes to our catcher position. Big Uh, time. Russell Martin, Maley, they're they're not great. Uh, Danny Jansen, has he met your expectations this year when it comes to uh, a prospect of his caliber? Yeah, I mean, we knew Danny Jansen's going to be our catcher of the future kind of coming into this year. Um, he's batting 275 on the year. His on base is over 400. It's at 402. Um, he he's actually walked one more time than he's struck out this season, which is impressive wow. mm-hmm. for anybody, let alone a catching prospect. He has cooled off a bit these past 30 days. He's only batting 170 in the last month, um, which is somewhat worrisome. But uh, a couple of days ago, he had a two home run game and and uh, kind of shook off the slump a little bit. So we'll see what happens there. If, if maybe he's coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of maybe of Danson's struggles, or Danson, Jansen's struggles his last little uh, while here might be due to the fact that he's seen some new pitchers come through. Like we've had Sean Reed Foley come up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's lost Baraki for the most part. Uh, Baraki did make one start over the All-Star break kind of thing. Uh, but he's he's learning new pitching staff, yada, yada, yada. He's, he's kind of, I mean, he might be re- re- kind of refining his, his catching more than he's worried about the bat at this point. We we've seen, we know that he can hit. Mm-hmm. We've seen it from the last two or three years now that in the minor leagues that he, that he can hit. So I'm, I'm not too worried about him at all. Um, he's athletic. He only throws at about a quarter of the base stealers. He likes to see that number a little bit closer to a third. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to nitpick that. As long as he can produce more offensively than Russell Martin or Luke Maley have this season in the future, I will never really care about how many runners he throws out because that's minor compared to the offensive output. Patrick, I'll ask you this question. Um, 
the pitchers are so used to Russell Martin knowing the ins and outs mm-hmm. of basically everything. Every batter in the lineup, he knows every pitcher on that team. That's the one thing that is awesome about Russell Martin. He is such a savvy veteran that he just knows so much about the position, and he's such a pro when it comes to the defensive side of it. We're not going to get into his offensive struggles because that's just going to make us mad. Oh, but do you think going from a guy like Russell Martin, a guy who has been in the league for a long, long time, and then going to a guy like Danny Jansen, who, again, doesn't really have the the badges that Russell Martin has to tell these pitchers, don't do this, don't do that. Do you see that as a little bit of an issue, Danny Jansen's inexperience compared to Russell Martin's experience? Like, it's going to be a pretty big adjustment for our pitchers when that change inevitably happens. Yeah, you both have kind of touched on a topic that I think doesn't get discussed enough when it, we talk about catchers and bringing them up or trading them or DFAing them or whatever. Uh, a lot has to be said about, you know, battery mates, uh, getting to work with the same pitchers on a daily basis. Um, there's no doubt Russell Martin, his offensive output has been tremendously disappointing and it's been in steady decline. Um, but I've sort of come around to Clayton, something that you said a uh, number of weeks ago about how he does add more. Uh, as far as defensive capability than anybody else we've got in the system right now. And he also has that veteran leadership, and he can frame pitches like nobody else. And to be honest with you, despite the fact that he's swinging a plastic bag out there at the plate, he's still got some of the best eyes in the game. If you look at his uh, OBP, um, I don't have Martin's OBP in front of me, but I know for a fact that it's much better than what you would expect for someone who's, you know, batting sub 200, I think it was, yeah, like 184. He's below the Mendoza line. Yeah. Um, it's going to be an interesting transition where you're going to see some combination of Melee and Jansen in the future with the team. Because obviously Russell Martin is not going to get re-signed uh, once his contract yeah. is up. It's pretty obvious that he is in the waning years of his career. He still has something to contribute to the team. And that's really important. And I'm really, really hoping that what they do uh, is the smart thing and have Jansen and Martin work together for at least one or two years, full seasons, so that way Jansen can kind of transition over and be the guy who catches for at least Sanchez and Stroman because they're clearly the guys for the future. Obviously, Jansen has experience with Baraki. They're battery mates. So I, I, I really like the idea of Jansen coming up at some point and staying up for good and learning as much as he can from Martin before that contract runs up because there's no friggin' chance we're going to re-sign him, especially mm. you know, for that amount of money. All right, let's talk about the best thing going for the Toronto Blue Jays franchise, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Uh, Jordan Romano, Canadian, um, Eastern League Pitcher of the Week. He's been pitching really, really good. Flyball pitcher. Um, he's great. He's kind of been flying under the radar a little yeah. bit when it comes to our pitchers. But I want to focus more on the two sexy prospects because we're running a little low on time. So let's yeah. talk to let's talk about the sexy prospects of the rest of the farm report here. We spent way too much time on our AAA guys. Um, Vladdy Jr. and Bo Bichette again. Vladdy, 406 average on the year. Only 406. Uh, he's going to get promoted to AAA eventually. It's going um, to happen. He looks really healthy after coming off the DL. He just mm-hmm. He's back to being Vladdy. But Bo Bichette, uh, 27 stolen bases. No one ever talks about his stolen bases. They I talk know. about his defense. They talk about his high batting average. I mean, 269 right now. Still pretty good. Yeah. Um, how underrated of a weapon is Bo Bichette going to be when he's actually coming up for us? Because he can steal bases. He's a great fielder. I again, I have a love affair with Boba Shet. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I, I mean, I always think of Boba Fett yeah. when I read Boba <laughs> Shet. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit of a Star Wars guy, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I think we might be the only people who consistently talk about his speed that I ever hear. Yeah, no He's one fast. else seems to touch on it, and I think that's probably because everyone's like, "Oh, is he gonna play shortstop? Is he gonna play second base?" Mm-hmm. He's he's gonna steal bases. Is what he's gonna do. Yeah. Um he's moved to the leadoff spot since uh, Jonathan Davis was promoted to AAA and he's he's walked I think 3 or 4 times in those games which it hasn't been many. Obviously Davis has only been gone for 8 games. Yeah. Um but before like Bichette has a very low walk rate. He's kind of like Guriel where they swing a lot. They're very free swingers. Um but they have that power and that production that you don't mind if they strike out a fair bit. 
but but I think Bo, he's a little bit behind uh, where people thought he would be offensively this season. And I, I think he'll spend more time in AAA than Vladdy will. I think we'll see Vladdy in AAA next two weeks, maybe. I mean, it's getting to that point where it's like, you're leaving this guy hitting 400 in double A. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What's the point? Right? Yeah, call him up. So, I mean, I, and I think we'll see Vladdy spend the rest of the season in AAA whenever he's called up. And then we'll see him start with the Jays opening day next season because Donaldson's not going to be here. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see Bobochette start in Buffalo next year just because we don't <laughs> have an urgent need for him to be in the with the big club. And we'll see him there for half a season or something. He'll he'll be the guy like Guriel was. He'll mm-hmm. be like the first the kind of like the first guy up um next year. And that's fine with me. Me too. I want to get to uh trade rumors and some other fun stuff at sure. the end here. So uh we're gonna miss we're gonna skip our low A guys. Um Patrick really quick here, our first round pick from uh this year's draft, Jordan Groshans. Uh he's been playing really, really well with the yeah. GCL Blue Jays. Um he's got three home runs, he's got eight doubles, which I really love. I love guys who can just get doubles. Um he's batting four ten against right handed pitching and his left handed pitching average two fifty, not even that bad. Um, do you see him going to high A ball in 2019 right away, Patrick? Or do you still think he needs some time to develop a little bit more? He is super young. But do you see him as a guy who could kind of sneak up our system really, really quickly? Yes. I think what's going to happen is he's already proven that uh, he is an excellent contact hitter, at least where he is right now. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, his power... Uh, rating was like 55 and his contact was 50, but we're kind of seeing the opposite right now. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting to see what's going to happen with his power numbers when he actually does move to Dunedin. And I think that's where he's going to start the year next year. There's no reason for him to go to Lansing. He's doing great uh, in rookie ball right now. And I have to say, of all the shortstop prospects we have, um, aside from... Uh, Bo Bichette, who is a base-stealing machine. Uh, and one of us, I don't remember who, called it like way back when when it came to Bo and his speed. Um, this guy here, I think, is going to hit for power and for for uh, for average a little bit better than Bo in the long term. That's just my guess. Mm-hmm. It's not really based on anything aside from the fact that this kid was very well scouted by Toronto. He was yeah. not expected to be drafted as high as he was. And the minute that he hit the ground running uh, in rookie ball, he has been mashing. He's been very impressive. And I, I have a feeling that we lucked into something really special yeah, with Jordan Watch Groshans. out Bo Bichette, um, in the uh, organizational shortstop of the future race because this guy in a couple of years is going to be knocking on the door. He's in rookie ball. I know, guys. but he's Let's he's the he's only a year younger than Bo. I though. know that's true. Bo's nineteen or Bo might be nineteen or twenty, but this guy's yeah. eighteen. So I mean, age wise, he's kind of in the same spot that Bo was when he started with us. That's true. That's why I was I mean, asking. You know, do you think he's going to sneak I, up like Bo did? I think he he's a guy to look out for in terms of um, how long can you keep <clears> him in the minors if he keeps doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's surprising a lot of people, which by all means keep doing it. All right, um, let's talk about some trade rumors here really quickly. Yeah. Um, the Phillies are looking at Granderson. Can we just agree that Granderson's gone? He's gone somewhere. Okay, so we don't need to get into Granderson a little no. bit too much here. What do you guys think about Roberto Osuna possibly being traded? Do you think anyone is going to want Roberto Osuna? It, it, it's, it's a risk right now because of the legal case still yeah. being ongoing. There's no denying that Roberto Osuna is one heck of a reliever. Um, and there are teams like the Astros, Cardinals, and Cubs who are in some major need of bullpen help. We've seen the Cubs use uh, position players mm-hmm. quite frequently since the uh, All-Star break even, and their position players who have pitched have a lower ERA than the Cardinals' bullpen does yeah, since gross. the All-Star break, so the Cardinals are in desperate need of somebody. Um, and the Astros, they're, with their closer, Ken Gillies uh, basically telling his manager to F off yeah, and being sent to done. AAA. Um, they they need some help there too. I think the big thing with Osuna is um, he's he's in AAA now. Yeah, he's eligible to come back August fifth, which is looming in like two weeks, less than two weeks mm-hmm. now. So something is going to happen. Either we're going to see him in a Blue Jay uniform, or he'll be somewhere else. He, he's going to be pitching August fifth, 
regardless of where he is. Yeah, I don't think that we would get a lot in return for Roberto Osuna no. because of all the problems. So yeah. I think that's a bad move to yeah, trade a guy who, again, maybe he's innocent, maybe he's not. I have a feeling he's not. not yeah. But uh, I just don't think it'd be a good idea right now to trade him for um, something that he's not worth because of all of his bullshit he has going on behind the scenes. And I mean bullshit as, hey, Roberto Osuna, you're a piece of crap. Yeah. You're like, not being like, <laughs> whoa, it's bullshit what happened to him. No, no like he's, he's not a good he's guy. He's not a good guy. Um, J Hap, apparently they've lowered the asking price on him. Do you yeah. like that, Patrick? How the Jays kind of said, you know what? We weren't getting too many good offers. We're lowering Are our price. Do you offers? think that makes us look a little weak or no? Uh, I mean, at this point, uh, Hap has been great for us. I enjoyed his time with Toronto the second time around. A trade is going to happen. It's going to be the Yankees or the Mariners. We've banged that drum three or four weeks in a row. Uh, lowering the asking price is fine. It doesn't really matter because he's just going to boomerang back to us anyway, says I. Uh, exactly the same thing I said last week. It's okay if we get less because it, they're only getting like a two- or three-month rental of J-Hap, yeah. and that's not going to be worth a lot anyway. So, uh, I don't know. Send him over to the Mariners, and hopefully the Mariners do some damage in the playoffs. Uh, just to double back, though, uh, with regards to Roberto Osuna, I don't think the Astros or the Cubs are really going to give a shit what he did or didn't do off the diamond. We're talking about the last two winners of the World Series. True. They're going to want to get back. They're going to want to play, and they're going to want to win. And they're actually going to want to pay more than what we think they're going to want to pay for um, yes, a bad person, but he's still an elite reliever based on everything that we've seen him do in his career True. to date. So I, I do think that Osuna has quite a bit of value right now. I, I, th I think it's just a matter of what team is going to roll the dice uh, on the whole legal proceedings and how are they going to market that to fans to be like, yeah, we're bringing in this guy you know, he did this shitty stuff and Toronto didn't want him, but we want him because we know he's a winner and we were winners a year or two years ago and we want to win again and this guy's going to help us do it. I don't know how they'll spin it, but I, I could see Osuna getting dealt to either one of those teams and us being able to get a good quality pitching prospect and, you know, whatever. We'll just, we'll find a reliever to fill the gap. Osuna does kind of fit the age that we want a reliever to be right now. So, I mean, if we don't get maximum return for him, or if we're not happy with it, I don't see the point in trading him immediately. Maybe we kind of wait for the court proceeding. I don't know. I really don't know what to say when it comes so soon anymore, because I'm just so frustrated. You don't know what to say, but you just went off there for about five minutes there, bud. <laughs> I know. Uh, let's talk about Josh Donaldson. He's not going anywhere. You don't think he's going anywhere? Not not before the July 31st deadline. We'll see him moved at the waiver deadline in August. Yeah. Um, he's not playing baseball right now. He's 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 doing some light running, and that's really about it. I mean, there's no timetable for him. <laughs> he's probably three weeks away at best at this point. That's the middle of that's the middle of August. I mean, it, it's tough to say what we'll get if we'll get anything of value for him at this point um it's going to be one of those things we're just going to try and recoup anything we can i think teams are going to be interested because he's josh i know I, I just i just i i want to see him come back mm -hmm. and be josh donaldson again i don't want to see this broken ball player who can't run to first base yeah. come back and do the same thing over and over again and just keep hurting those calves speaking of broken ball players yeah. um troy tulowitzki Last segment of the day here. Uh, Patrick, we'll let you go first here. Let's say Troy Tulowitzki is healthy next year, and he's good to go. Would you want the Jays to be like, you know what, Let, let's give Troy Tulowitzki another chance, or do you think Troy is never going to be healthy again? Do you think that he'll play for the Jays again? Is he dead? He's not doing anything right now. Like, we haven't heard too much of anything from his rehab or anything like that. Neither is the Jays organization, really. Um <laughs> Like, do you think Tulo is in the Jays' future, or do you think they've moved on? Look, I love Troy Tulowitzki. I think it is absolutely horrible what has happened to him in the, in this last year, struggling with these injuries. I thought that if Tulo was going to come back, it was going to be you know in early July. 
here it is late July and there was something that popped up on MLB.com July 20th about too low and how he's still very, very slow uh, rehabbing in his progress. I, I love Tulo. Mad respect to him. He's one of my favorite players to ever play. But his, I think he's just done. I, I don't see him coming back this year and next year. There's way too big a logjam uh, as far as our shortstops. I just... I know we're on the hook for the salary, and I know he's still a star, and I know they can market that and all that stuff. I just I don't think Troy Tulowitzki is going to play another inning of Major League Baseball, and that's a really sad thing to say. He's going to get one more try. I think he'll get one more try, and he'll get hurt again. And then, he'll, and then he, he, will, he will retire because he, he'll know at that point that it's time to give it up. When he retires, though, he'll be considered one of the elite players in baseball for his generation because, yeah. I mean, that time in Colorado, my goodness. He was, the, he, was um, he might have been the best player in baseball He was for so time. good for so long. Um, that's it for us, though. Um, we, classic us, went over by 25 minutes. Um, because, you know what, once we start talking about ball, it's just fun. We have some fun. And uh, that's the uh, point of this thing. So make sure you follow us all over the place. Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music. Just look up Batflips, Maple Dips, Episode 8, in the books. We'll see you later, friends. On behalf of uh, Justin and Patrick, it's Clayton. Have a good one. 